0: all right welcome to another episode of beyond the game this is your host erica ayala i am excited as always to bring you another episode we were gone for a little bit but we are back in full swing we are going to hear from Yal all she is a native of montclair new jersey so right here in Dolge g sports territory and she went to the university of north carolina played soccer down there won two national titles and had her jersey retired uh between unc and her professional career she also um played with the U.S. Women's National Team. She played abroad. She played on the National Team. She played in the WPS and won her first pro title in the States with Sky Blue FC as a part of the WPS. Then when the NWSL rolled around, she went over to FC Kansas City, won two titles with FC Kansas City, and now she is here on our show tonight to talk about the NWSL Players Association. Yael Averbush is one of the players that has been integral in getting a formal players association established for the current domestic league, um, which is the NWSL she is on to talk to us a little bit about the history behind the conversations not only with players but with the league and and u.s soccer about the formation of a players association as well as some of the things that the players association hopes to accomplish it's still very new there will be officers and all of the formal membership will be announced at a later point in time there are two representatives and an alternate for each nwsl team and those names will be released at a later point in time but y'all's just going to talk to us a little bit about how the players association got started why make the announcement this may on may 15th and how the most recent collective bargaining agreement with u.s soccer and the women's national team players association how that fits in to what the NWSL will be doing. We'll also talk to y'all about forward thinking, what some other players associations and professional sports have been able to do, and, and how much of some of those um, formulas and blueprints will the NWSL PA look to replicate in some way shape or form we'll close today's show talking about maddie evans maddie evans was the latest player from the nwsl to announce her retirement she played for the orlando pride and i think it's important to understand how players current players not just future draft picks but how current players uh fall into that narrative right of growing the game and there are ways to grow the game um Obviously, the the goal is to get those salaries higher, which the NWSL has done. But there are other ways of growing the game. And growing the opportunities within the game for current players even as other things are still being established so after we hear from y'all we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Maddie and her retirement as well as what this means for the context of women's professional soccer in the United States and its impact on other federations as well but with all that said we're very excited to have our Jersey girl on the show without further ado this is FC Kansas City defender Yal Averbush.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to cover it. Yeah, I mean, since um, at least since the beginning of my involvement in um, women's professional soccer in this country, which was with WPS, there were always movements by players to be organized, which is so important. Um, and with WPS, obviously the league was short-lived, so we had we were just in the process of actually forming a union when the league folded. But um, with NWSL, obviously the NWSL is a league that has scaled back since the first two attempts, the WUSA and WPS. And we as players understand that and want that. Um, The the whole goal of the league is to be sustainable. And that's the primary focus. And we are 100% on board with that as players. We want to see this exist for many years to come past our time here. So our organization so far over the past couple years has really been that of just making sure we have open and positive lines of communication, first and foremost. And um, you know, when we made the announcement that we had formed a players association, people kind of were like, whoa, what is this? This is the big news. But really, uh, well, it was big news because we're, we're making it official and we put a logo, and have a name. Um, all it was is an extension of what we had been working to develop, which is we had um, for the past couple of years developed a really good relationship with the commissioner at the time, Jeff Clush. And that continues now with Amanda Duffy. So just open communication is something's going on that. Uh, the front office needs to know about, we can go to those people and they will help us with it, and vice versa. Um, if there's something that needs to be, uh, you know, a message that needs to get out to the players, now we have a couple player representatives per team so we can distribute that information and just make sure that, um, it, yeah, those chains of communication are very open so that when it comes time to do things on a larger scale and think creatively about um, further opportunities for players and marketing ourselves and all those bigger themes, um, and our communication and the system is really in place. So that's kind of all the announcement went uh, meant was that, okay, we're, we're calling ourselves something by name, and we're getting this. I think there's been a little bit of a void, to be honest, until now, which is the void we're trying to fill. So while uh, there were attempts to organize with WPS, and we had, you know, a general framework of communication here in NWSL, there's still is a void in terms of, um, you know, if a player on their team has a uh, kind of a human resources type question, uh, where do you go? Who do you ask? Uh, What if an issue does arise and you feel like uh, you're not being treated fairly? Well, do you tell your teammate? Do you tell your GM? What if it needs to go above that? Who can you contact? So those kind of things are kind of the primary um, void that we're, we are trying to fill with the Players Association. And that really, um, that system has not been in place. And that's one thing that I think um, we realize as players, we often get, you know, questions thrown around among the group is like, hey, this is going on, it's not even that big of a deal. But like, where do we go with this information? Where do we go with this question? And that's kind of going to be the the primary objective right now is that those questions are all answered. And everybody knows, um, if you are to have an issue, here's who you contact. And that We can have the confidence that it will get dealt with, which um, so far in our communication with Amanda Duffy has been really, really positive. And she is totally on board to make sure that we all have the avenues to answer questions and get get things resolved. So I, I think we all feel very confident about that, but it still needs to be formalized a little bit. yeah exactly and you know like because this league is um is very new the end front office doesn't have a human resources department and that's i mean we wouldn't expect that at this point there you know there are a few staff members doing multiple jobs on that front and same thing with our clubs is we have you know small front offices who are Doing all they can to make this work and everyone has the same goals. That's the thing. I think that like sometimes um, we need to remind ourselves is that everyone in this from the NWSL front office to even US soccer who's put a lot into this to our team front offices, the owners, the GMs, our coaches, and all of us as players have the same exact goal. So it's just about making sure that we're all um, communicating well to one another what we need to achieve goals. Absolutely. And that's something we wanted to make really clear when we launched. Um, we want to let people know this is not in response to some big issue or something. We're going on strike or anything like that, or even close to that. It literally is exactly what you said to get kind of the system in place so that if and when there is ever an issue, um, we have that positive communication and everyone knows how it works and then we can address it in the best possible way. So really, um, I think people were expecting when we made the announcement that we were coming to this with some kind of agenda and making demands and things like that. And we wanted to make it really clear as players that that is not at all what this was about. We literally were just announcing, hey, we exist. This is our voice. If and when we do need to make a statement, positive or authorized, um, this is where you'll be hearing it from. Kind of, that's, that's really kind of the gist of what it was. Yeah, you know, it's been pretty tough because our league is, is very unique in a lot of ways, and we realize that. So it, there is no exact blueprint to follow. Um, we the, the MLS Players Union office and Bob Foos, who's in charge there, um, were all incredibly helpful in terms of being a guiding force, um, letting us know how they started off. You know, they're very organized now. They have a whole office that represents their their players association and their union uh, but obviously didn't start off like that. You know, it took them, I think he told me seven years to, to unionize, which puts it in good perspective for us. And I think, um, you know, he, he was instrumental in terms of lending advice, helping us with our uh, constitution and bylaws and just kind of being a sounding board for, you know, like you said, what are the steps? Where do we even start? Um, So that was huge. And then also um, for us, you know, the, U.S. Women's National Team Players Association has been incredibly supportive. Um, By default, because of the way our league is set up, we as non-allocated players must be represented separately because technically we have a different employer. Those national team players are employed by U.S. soccer and we are employed by NWSL. So while it would make most sense in an ideal world for us all to kind of group together in this, we need to have separate entities. But that being said, we are currently working very closely with them and plan to continue that. And um, they've offered a ton of support resources. They've just been open to conversations, found ideas off of. They helped us spread the word when we made our announcement. So uh, those two entities uh, were incredibly helpful to us so far. And I think we know we can rely on them in the future to continue that and really appreciate their support. Yeah, so right now, um, there are allocated players from the U.S. and from Canada on each team. And what that means is that the um, US, U.S. soccer and the Canadian Soccer Federation are um, covering those players' contracts to participate in the league. So I don't know the exact numbers, but each of those two Governing bodies, federations, uh, has a, a certain number of allocated players that they are supplying the league with, quote unquote. Even um, though know, they're obviously people, that makes it sound a little, a little inhuman, but um, they're supplying the league with those players who are, you know, going to be kind of the marquee players. Their national team players, their they would their salaries would be higher than the other players in the team most likely. So it's taking a huge burden off of the NWSL owners that. US soccer and the Canadian soccer federation are covering the salaries for those players. So they're designated as allocated players for each team. And it started off um, when the league launched that they were kind of an even number. And since then with trades and, and people being picked up by national teams and becoming allocated who had good seasons that weren't originally and all kinds of things. Now the numbers are, are, aren't quite even, but yeah, each team has anywhere from probably uh, two to maybe some, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but some of the teams now must have five or six allocated players Um, who, like I said, technically have a different employer because of the structure of the league. Yeah, all of those players, all international players who are not allocated. So even a player from Canada uh, who is not an allocated player, they all are represented by our Players Association. So any player who is participating in our league, whose salary is being paid by NWSL, which covers um, national team and non-national team players from all of the other countries that are represented, uh, all fall under our umbrella. Yeah, I think, first of all, you know, in their whole contract negotiation, um, it really brought to light the fact that those players have representation and we as a non-allocated player group do not. So I think, to be honest, while we we had been, like I said, organizing, having communication and taking some positive steps, it really highlighted the fact that we need to have something in place for the players who are not covered under the U.S. national team CBA. And, and that, um, I think kind of sparked a little bit more of an urgency for us to announce something and formalize it because it is very important that every player in our league has a voice, has somewhere to go, and is uh, protected under an organization of a larger group than just themselves. Um, So I think that would be the main thing I would say in the lead-up and in their negotiations that, um, you know, we were not privy to the details of that uh, as non a non-national team players, nor should we should should we be, but the idea that that was going on and that those players were fighting for um for for a better situation for themselves and looking out for our best interests in that, which I'll talk about in a second, uh, really highlighted the fact that we need to do the same in in our own startup way. Obviously, we're not at the same point that they are, but um but we need to do something
2: contractually. A lot of the collective bargaining agreement that the national teamers were. Uh, negotiating for does have to do with the NWSL and I haven't seen that agreement I don't think it's public but um, they were really looking out for the league in their negotiation which makes sense not only um, to do something nice for all the other players but also because that the NWSL is a league um, in which those national team players are going to prepare the majority of their time to win um, future Olympics and World Cups. so Um, The standards of the league need to continue to improve as their working conditions with U.S. soccer improve. And I do know that a lot of that negotiation had to do with those conditions and setting some standards, whether it has to do with um, opportunities and roster spots, um, certain facilities and and, uh, resources offered, all kinds of things like that, I think, were included in that contract, which is excellent for the league as a whole. Um, In addition to that, we are going to be working very closely and have already been working closely with the U.S. Women's National Team Players Association um, to do joint marketing efforts, um, fundraising type efforts. When the, uh, the the Equal Play, Equal Pay campaign was going on and the national team was selling shirts, they had announced that the proceeds of that were going to the NWSL Players Fund. So we have been uh, beneficiaries of, of some of their um, fundraising and, and that campaign, which is incredibly helpful to us. So there's always going to be this joint effort going on, whether it's actually contractual and legal or just um, the mutual support of you know, moving the game forward as a whole. I think that we're very appreciative and thankful to be able to kind of align ourselves We haven't specifically discussed the timing of it all, and nor did we you know, plan it like that, but I do think it's a time in our country, like you pointed out, where um, women's sports and women's opportunities and female opportunities in sports are being examined, and we realize there's still a major gap, whether it's in pay, like I said, opportunity, the way it's being marketed, expectations, um, even just the, the images of those players we still have a huge divide between um, the expectations and reality on the men's side and on the women's side. And so I think that, you know, in our small way, we're, we're not at the point yet where um, we are going to make a legal footprint in any of this. And that, and we don't, nor do we want to at this point, but I think that it does make sense that we have a voice and we decide who we are. We have a mission statement. Um, Things like that are really in line with, A lot of what's going on today is, who are we as NWSL players? What are we looking to get out of this league? What are we able to give back? And to kind of uh, make that all into a concise statement and all be on the same page about it, I think it's very powerful. Um, And that's kind of the idea, that can we gain power in numbers and the fact that we're all in the same situation and have the same goals. Yeah, well, to be honest, the time has flown by, so uh, I didn't actually realize it had been that long, and I wish maybe more had happened. But um, r- really, since the announcement, and like I said, we wanted to make it clear, we didn't come to this with an agenda that we're about to act on and make all these demands. So we kind of um, have let things settle since the announcement. We've continued to solidify our organization. We right now have two um, player representatives per club with an alternate. We haven't announced those names yet, but that will come. We'll make those public. Um Some things that we have, you know, coming up kind of on our quote-unquote agenda is that we uh, are yet to have our first kind of meeting, which we're going to be scheduling a conference call, and we need to elect um, executive officials. So we'll have a president, vice president, treasurer. We need to elect some officers for that, which also we will announce. So we kind of need to continue to get that structure in place, and that's the next step of this. Um, We have a wonderful spokeswoman uh, Megan Burke, who actually played in WPS and is now a lawyer, um, she will not be representing in a legal fashion because, like I said before, this is not yet a legal entity. But um, just really knowledgeable and really really understands at the deepest level our our mission as players and, and what we're going through, and is able to think creatively about some ideas. So really, the the next phase of this is not only to solidify the organization and those roles within the organization but also to start to identify some areas that we can make progress. And what that means is that, you know, obviously the really, um, the really simple areas that everyone would think is like, oh, well, we need higher salaries, we need better facilities, better playing conditions and things like that. That, we all accept, will come with time. And there will be a time and place where we will address those things. But right now, um, the types of things that will be on our agenda are some of the more creative thinking about how we can offer um, a better and more full and more complete experience for our players that empowers the players beyond what happens on the field, meaning um, things like we have done we started in the past, but we need to solidify even further, like offering uh, subsidized coaching courses so that... Uh, we can keep the most best and most talented soccer minds in our country on the women's side involved in the game if they're interested and allow them to do that while they're still playing. Um, things like offering uh, help help with careers alongside, so parallel careers, uh, whether it's building your brand as a player during while you're still playing, uh, whether it's, Uh, exploring another interest that has nothing to do with your soccer brand, but building your professional brand as a player alongside your playing career, whether it's that transition for some of the players who are thinking of retiring anytime in the near future, that transition towards a secondary career um, post-playing. So all those kind of support systems, we are going to really advocate for ourselves and try to um, find opportunities where we can, be more than what just happens on the field and support one another in that and have the support of the Players Association as a whole to kind of offer those types of opportunities. And that's something that we're going to work with the U.S. Women's National Team Players Association on as well. So we feel that we have a lot of support in these areas and um People, individuals, companies, organizations who want to support us with these things, but it's about us brainstorming what are what are the things that we would need to feel more empowered and how can we go about that. So really, the next phase after establishing the executive committee and announcing who the player reps are, making that even more formalized, is a big brainstorm about um, the creative ways that we can further our situation that maybe aren't what people would typically think of in terms of just salary conditions. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those, those are like great examples along the line of the types of things that we're going to be looking into and securing on behalf of, of the non-allocated players. So yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. You actually had some examples that um, I hadn't even thought of. So that's excellent. Yeah, and I think it is about about the support and the decision, like having those decisions available and understanding. And I think um, the important thing to realize is it's not even just about preparing people for post-playing. I think a big part of... of the struggle in our league is how can, you know, the league is working hard to be sustainable, but how can we as individuals make this a sustainable thing in our life? And a lot of us have played the sport since we were very young and are really passionate about it and we do it because we love it. And none of us want to step away or have to make decisions to uh, sign for a different team purely on the financial side of things. So if we can find opportunities to either continue our education or to supplement our income outside of our, our playing career, it will, it will help us not only to, you know, relieve some of the stress that maybe we feel as players in the end of itself, but also just to make our careers longer and more full. And I think that's when um, the league will really get to a new level, when we don't see players having to step away or make difficult decisions because of um, salary and things like that. Not, I mean, obviously one day that would be great when the salaries are higher, but in the interim, because there are other opportunities that are supplementing that for them that that have been offered, hopefully, through the work of the Players Association. Uh, Yeah, well, first of all, I, I appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation. I think these conversations are so important, and the questions you're asking and the points you're bringing up are really important because... Um, what we're doing is a little different. You know, we're not just organizing a player's union like you'd see in any other sport where we'll have a collective bargaining agreement by next month. And then it's a typical, you know, the lawyers discuss discussed out. We're, we're trying to do something a little more creative and, and something that fits with the current state of our league and really will accomplish everyone's goals. So I think these kind of conversations are so important to illuminate that and to just share ideas. You know, even from the things you said, I've come away with a couple of ideas that I'm going to bring back to some of the players. Um, you know, as things get solidified, we will be making announcements. Um, I think, you know, that that is the thing is that right now there's not been a lot of movement because we're all in season. Um, the main thing was the announcement that we exist. Um, and as we make the names of the players rep, player reps finalized and come up with our, um, executive committee, things like that, we will be, um, sending out press releases and, and putting it on social media. So announcements will come, but, Uh, I don't want people to be kind of like waiting and expecting a lot of big announcements one after another, especially in season. I think it's it's tough and it's going to be a little bit of a slow process. So there will be some patience necessary, but yeah, social media. um, Honestly, social media is the best way to follow anything nowadays, I think. And if something's going on, it will be put out on social media. All of us as players will share it. So I think that's where people can really, um, really follow. And the, the social media handle for the actual players association is, um, NWSL underscore PA. So that can be where people, uh, people follow. But again, um, there isn't, you know, there's no major announcements on the horizon, but everything that, that happens and will happen will be shared there. yeah i forgot about that um yeah i um i you know i'm very active on social media uh, my uh twitter is yael underscore averbush i spell my name in case people don't know y-a-e-l and then last name a-v-e-r-b-u-c-h my instagram is just my first and last name with nothing um i also have a website, which is the dot That's kind of the hub for everything I do. I um, there's a blog on there. There's links to everything I'm doing, um, whether it's clinics, my my business. I reached, recently launched called Technique Football, which is actually actually a, a technical training app for players to use to um, guide them in their individual skill training. So there's a link to that on there, and it's also all over my social media as well. So if you're um, a player or a parent of a player, I recommend you checking that out. But yeah, just I try to be really active with all these things, um, like growing my business and blogging and um, playing my part in terms of helping to organize the Supplier Association. So I have a ton going on, and it's all all shared as frequently as I'm able to. So feel free to follow me on all those uh, platforms.
0: Thank you so much. Really appreciate your support. What a treat it was to have y'all on the show. Thank you so much, y'all, for, for joining us and for explaining a little bit more about the NWSL Players Association. We, as promised, will have in the show notes the links to y'allerbush.com as well as the information on the Players Association. As promised, want to circle back to this idea, this concept of growing the game. So we heard a lot about what that means for the Players Association. Growing the game for the Players Association means having um, conversations, having an HR department for the National Women's Soccer League, not just for the players, but for the people that work in the office. Um, a, A part of that is thinking about unique ways to incorporate the, the the transition to to a player's next phase in life uh so after they f- finish playing are, are they going to be coaches are they going to be broadcasters or analysts um are they going to be owners of teams and what can the players association set up and establish now that will help those players along the road i think the foresight of the nwslpa to incorporate the amateur players so the, or essentially the practice players that are with the affiliate teams of the NWSL teams is extremely important as well for the same reasons that Yael talked about U.S. soccer and the U.S. Women's National Team Players Association having a vested interest in NWSL. The NWSL has to have a vested interest in its feeder System, um, and so I think that that's really great that the NWSLPA is working with the amateur players and also with the senior national team and with US Soccer and the NWSL and all of the other entities involved. Um, it's it's a slow start. She mentioned that the MLS took them about seven years to get established, and if you include the the, t- the time that these conversations had been um, a part of women's soccer, uh, dating back to WPS, then we're right about at that seven-year, uh, timeline. We're right about there, and Yal has been one of the voices that has been there, um, essentially from, from the beginning. So it's very exciting to have her voice as a part of this, um, and to see the other leaders that step up from the different teams, and then formally in the Players Association. Another part of, of the growing the game that I wanted to talk to, I mentioned Maddie Evans at the top of the show. Maddie Evans, a player with the Orlando Pride, she announced that she's retiring. In her retirement announcement via social media, she writes, It's a bittersweet day as I announce my retirement from professional soccer. It's been an incredible ride. She continues, I've traveled the world, learned so much about myself, and most importantly, built everlasting relationships. As I was making this decision, many people told me to follow my heart. The funny thing is, if I followed my heart, I'd probably play forever. I love this game. That wasn't and isn't going to change. But this time around, I followed my head and made the best choice for me. Knowing that I still have something to offer on the field made this a very difficult decision, but I am excited for my next step and I look forward to growing professionally and building myself in other aspects. Maddie closes out her retirement statement by saying, I will probably put pen to paper again at some point to at some point soon to fully reflect on these last 20 years of soccer, but for now, I'm focusing on Saturday, one last game day. As it turns out, Maddie Evans and the Orlando Pride would defeat oh, Sky Blue FC by a score of 5-0. That was also Ashlyn Harris's return after being out with injury. Um, Maddie Evans is an example of of an athlete that, in the future... The NWSLPA wants to be able to help. You, you might still get players that retire at 26. Maybe you won't, um, but for players that retire, whether they're 19 or, you know, 40, 43, however um, old Christy Pierce's these days, um, the point is that the NWSLPA wants to be able to help that athlete make a a seamless transition have her options uh, ready to go and have guidance along the way not just as she's playing but as she transitions out and that's well, that's kind of the goal whether that's helping players become coaches helping them have access to other things um, that's where the NWSL PA sees them themselves growing but for now they have a Twitter account <laughs> they have a mission statement and They have people like Yal Averbush who are really committed. Uh, Before we close out this episode, uh, I'm going to read the mission statement of the NWSL Players Association. This is from the May 15th uh, formal press release we, the non-allocated players of the NWSL, vow to build on the opportunity that has been afforded to us, as well as work to achieve those goals that have not yet been attained. We honor the vision and progress of those who came before us, pledge to work with the league and allocated players to advance continued improvements in women's soccer, commit ourselves to doing all in our power for the betterment of our members so that we may best contribute to the common goal, a world-class product on the field, and to be role models and inspire the next generation off the field. Again, that comes from the press release the May 15th press release by the NWSLPA. This has been another amazing episode of Beyond the Game. I am your host, Erica Ayala. This is a double G sports radio podcast. Make sure you check us out, doublegsports.com. A very pleasant evening, and we will see you next week.